What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 104 6 and 1 podcast. This is me, your host, your boy, Kev, coming up on episode 7. First and foremost, I just wanted to give a personal big shout out. I start a lot of these with shout outs. Um, big shout out to my friends, Fred, Big Dog, that was on episode 3, and my boy, Dawson. Um, I got some really, really, really good feedback from them just last night telling me that they really look forward to these casts and they, they really enjoy them. And I know for a fact they're not blowing smoke. They actually have good times listening to them. They're always communicating with me. They're always reposting. They're always texting me after episodes or whatever have you, letting other people know how how I'm doing and whatnot. So, you know, to you too, also to a coworker of mine, Reed, I send him the podcast every Wednesday morning when it's released. Well, we work together and he's always letting me know, you know, he loves what I do. He loves how I talk. He loves uh, everything about the cast. So, you know, to you three specifically, I genuinely appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Oh, and how can I, how could I forget JC, my boy, John Cameron, always messaging me also, you know, just on top of it. Whenever I, uh, you know, have a post, he's always questioning, yo, what do you think about this? So, you know, yo, when can I come on? So, you know, the people that are always supporting and the people that are reaching out, I I can't thank you guys enough. Without you guys, I wouldn't really. Eh, no, I'd still be doing this, but it does, it does help me get through, you know, those those days when I'm struggling or when views aren't where I want them to be or plays aren't aren't where I want them to be. But we're up to 295 total plays between all six episodes. This one not included. So I am happy that we're trending in the right direction. The only direction from here is up. Now I know a lot of you guys have told me specifically. Let's get back on the track of sports, Kev. It's what you're best at, you know, the numbers game and just, you know, how animated I can get with my sports. And I wanted to start it off with this entire COVID situation with the MLB. First of all, I was ecstatic over the moon. If anybody knows me, baseball, the Yankees, that's my, those are my guys. That's my team. That's, it's everything to me being born and raised in the Bronx. That is my go-to sport. Like I know football is my favorite sport to watch. But my team, my top team to watch, my top sport to prioritize will always be the New York Yankees. And that is to the day I die. I bleed pinstripes. So this whole baseball scandal of me getting pretty much, I guess, falsely happy. I mean, I have a group chat with my friends. Uh, shout out to Big Kevin Santino. Where we're talking about everything baseball related, if not, you know, everything New York related or just life conversations with two of them every other couple of days. We were just happy the Yankees baseball was back. And I mean, like over the moon happy we were just excited to see our boys 60 games or not we were excited to see the Yankees compete and fight for a World Series title and we were just excited to see Garrett Cole and of course you know uh, last Thursday night game got rained out but the Yankees took home the dub but uh, shout outs to my friends uh, Rob and uh, JB you guys are super big actual authentic Nationals fan from the DC area so uh, I don't take the series win as an actual win Juan Soto obviously tested positive for COVID the day of. Uh, Strasburg was scratched from the, uh, the, the the next start on Saturday with, a, uh, I believe, a pinched nerve in his hand or his arm. And then the, the very next game, uh, that went down to the wire. That was as close as it can get. Um, Glaber Torres making two errors in the game but saving us offensively going three for four. So, I mean, I mean, other than that last game, I would definitely say... I don't believe we played them at the the fullest capacity of what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the World Series champs at full strength. I really wanted to say, you know, put an exclamation point to start the season and say, yo, we're not playing around. You know, we wanted to walk into D.C. and take the series win, which we did. But, however, it, it just, it to me, again, I can only speak for myself. Um, to me, it just didn't feel as, uh, en- as much of enjoyment as I would have liked to. And now... With the Marlins going through their entire COVID cases, I believe ESPN stated they had 19 total cases. I don't know the exact specifics behind it, but supposedly they had a team meeting before they played the Phillies when the season started. And even though some of them knew that they were positive or the possibility of some of them being positive, they had a little team meeting and they still chose to play. Again, I told you guys from the get, I don't like talking about politics or, you know, talking about anything with COVID or anything like that. But I, come on, man. Like, these people got families too. You guys got families. This virus, everybody knows. If there's even a possibility of anybody being positive, you should have sat out. You should have left or, or notified somebody. If you did, I guess I don't know who approved it. I don't know who decided for them to still play. Nevertheless, it was very irresponsible and it could cost the MLB 
a lot. <laughs> it's there's going to be some repercussions and some backfire. I feel it. I believe as of earlier today, all Marlins baseball games have been postponed, and or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I always go blank with good words. I swear to God, trying to sound smarter than what I am, I always find a way to fuck it up. But the Marlins games ain't happening right now, and for, rightfully so. The Yankees and Phillies games have been postponed as we as of what Monday the the Monday game and the Sunday game were postponed as well or no the Monday game and today's game were postponed because the Phillies played the Marlins and they need to prevent the spread I think the MLB did a good job of you know making sure they canceled those games making sure that the if the Phillies did test positive which according to reports they have not they are still going to continue testing and there is no confirmation of whether or not the games tomorrow and Thursday are going to be played. I'd hope that they aren't because we all know that uh, there could be false positives or false negatives. So let's continue to test them and make sure that all of those players are safe before we resume activities. Let's make sure that those Marlin players get their act together and start taking this serious, man. This virus has taken a lot of people. Yes, the death rate is very low. But if we want sports to continue, we are going to need to be proactive, whether that's more face masks, whether that means there's more social distancing. Watching some of these games and highlights, players are still high-fiving and hugging and, and all of these things. I get it. You're all tested on the regular. I understand you all feel like you don't have it, but you have to remember asymptomatic things can happen. Just because you feel perfectly fine doesn't mean you're not a carrier. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. But the Yankees started off the season 2-1. and one. Um, I didn't really see many other highlights. I was very, very, very focused on just seeing my series. Uh, if the series, uh, if the season continues, you best believe I'm going to be on top of it. I do know that the Red Sox suck and they are not doing well whatsoever. And with that being said, I, uh, I'm happy with that. And I'm pretty sure every single Yankees fan on the face of the earth is happy as well. I believe the Astros lost one or two of their three game series as well. So, you know, let, let, let's just keep it going. All positive vibes the rest of 2020, man. We can't let it beat us down. We cannot let COVID win. So let us please stay safe. The NBA, on the other hand, is completely in full circle. Season starts completely on Thursday. I believe no one has tested positive out of all of the players and tests that have been run since scrimmages, practices, and everybody reporting to the bubble. And I don't think a lot of people understand how the bubble works. So let me break it down for you guys. So the NBA players, 22 teams were invited to Orlando and 22 teams are restricted to that bubble, that area, that location in Orlando. They're away from their families. They're away from their kids. Um, if the guys are single with no kids, they're kind of just locked down and they're just stuck in the bubble. So they are limited to outside interaction as well. So they cannot order food and they cannot have guests. They cannot have friends, anything come in contact with them. So they're basically isolated for an entire three months with no outside interaction. That's how the NBA dictated the prevent of the spread. If anybody has to leave the bubble for any family emergencies or any urgent personal matters that are approved by the league, they must quarantine depending on where they went a certain amount of days before they can resume activities with the team. Uh, Lou Williams actually just left for a family emergency, as he stated to the Clippers, and it was confirmed that he actually went to a strip club to have some wings. Come on, Lou. We get it. You a ladies, man. We get it. Them wings was fire. Come on, son. Don't. Why? 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 You're jeopardizing your your team's rankings. You're, you're jeopardizing the seed that the Clippers could end up having for the playoffs. I mean, I know that Lou Williams isn't Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, but I mean, he is that spark off the bench. Let's be honest. Lou Williams is a record what, four or five, six man of the year, four or five times for a reason. The man is a walking bucket. Lou can go for 40 or 50 if he wanted to. Let's be completely real. So you are a very, a very valuable asset to that team. Whatever it is you wanted to do, whatever the intentions were, whatever you actually did, none of my business is the point. You jeopardized the team and now you're sitting there quarantined for the first game. Who knows what happens or transpires after. We don't know if you're tested positive. We, we have no idea. COVID is really making everything annoying so we understand you had to do your thing hopefully you got out of your system but like i was saying all players are being tested all players have confirmed to have no positive cases i believe james harden and russell had a false positive and they resumed activities with the team as well so the nba is doing it right uh, i believe the mlb if i remember correctly and speaking to my friend shout out to ginty uh, a friend of mine from D.C. out here in Florida, big Marlins fan. Sorry about your boys, but it's time to, for them to get their shit together. 
Um, according to my boy, I believe that the MLB was offered, or the NFL, P- the MLBPA, the Major League Baseball Players Association, had the offer on the table to try a bubble with the MLB, and players decided against it for whatever reason, whether that be isolation from family, whether that be uh, the fact that it could be overpopulated, or you know, over overworked, or the idea seemed to be a little too complicated. They chose against it. They said, you know what, we, uh, we're we going to continue to do what we have to do and just maintain distance the way we have to. And uh, as you can see with the Marlins, that example, it, it just, it ain't working. Rob Manfred's already on the hot seat with a lot of NFL, with a lot of MLB fans. I don't know why I keep saying NFL. I'm not even there yet. He's on the hot seat. Manfred, to me, is a shitty commissioner. I do not like him whatsoever. I am slightly biased because of the ruling that he passed over for the Astro and Red Sox cheating scandals of... Firing of their managers, their suspensions, and then fines, and then loss of draft picks. To me, that does not, I don't know, that just doesn't help anybody. So, the NBA is the only sporting group? What am I thinking of? The NBA is the only thing that's working. <laughs> I Again, overthinking. And I think everybody needs to follow suit. I think the MLB needs to really, really reevaluate what they're going to do. We already have plenty of players sitting out, or not plenty. We have enough players sitting out or opting out of the season for the right reasons. And it's so far looking like they made the right choice. I know the Marlins are only one team. The Marlins are, of course, in Florida, in Miami, one of the hot spots for the state. But it just goes to show if players aren't going to take this serious, if players are going to still choose to play over their safety, then this is what's going to happen. And the NBA is doing it right. That's why they're running these scrimmages. That's why they're doing everything they need to do, and they're checking every box. That's why the NBA is going back in full swing, and everything's going to be perfectly fine. You know, God willing. That's why Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis are going to hopefully make a run at this NBA championship. Luka stated that he wants to make a run for the fourth seed. And if we continue to push, that we believe that a lot of teams can't beat us. The Lakers look unstoppable right now. Again, scrimmages, we understand, but... J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters being signed are looking like smart choices. They are hooping as of the last couple of games. But again, scrimmages, who knows, garbage time playing, backups, third stringers, uh, roster filler moves, who, who knows. The point of the matter is they're dropping buckets. So, you know, I might have to eat my words depending on how the rest of the season goes. And me and Big Fred might have to take a shot of Henny if J.R. Smith ends up helping them win a championship. So, I just, I, I'm in shock that the NBA is working as well as it did or as it is. And I just cannot wait for the season to start back up. So with, you know, that being said, I know I continue to repeat myself. It's the transitions guys. I'll get better. I promise it's sometimes when I'm trying to word the right thing to transfer over to the next topic, I tend to stutter or, 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 you know, drop my words, but the NFL. Now, a lot of my friends and I have been talking we don't think the NFL is happening. The NFL season that there's there's no way. Uh, shout out to AJ. I know we were talking about this yesterday. Um, I don't think it's feasible. A lot of people don't think it's feasible if the NFL decided to adopt the bubble idea, as most rosters, most average NFL rosters, have to have a 53 man roster plus a practice squad. 53 times 32, guys. Come on, do the math. That's not including coaches. That's not including staff. That's not including doctors. That's not including photography. Anything. Anything, anything, anything. That's just too many people to contain. Too many bubbles would have to be made. That would be too much money. I believe the NBA has spent over $180 million to do what they're doing for just the 22 teams. If you were to do 32 teams for all of those people, there would not be a location big enough unless you were to like buy out Las Vegas to isolate full hotels, full locations, full arenas, full stadiums and practice facilities. It's 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 just it doesn't seem right. I know a lot of players as of today have been opting out and choosing not to play. We have the right guard of the Kansas City Chiefs. I can never pronounce his name, but the one that is a doctor. In Canada, he is choosing to opt out and continue to serve on the front lines of his natural of his uh, of his country of his nation. Uh, Marquise Goodwin of the Philadelphia Eagles, who was just traded over the course of the offseason during the NFL draft, has chosen to opt out and not play the season as he has a five-month-old daughter, and he is obviously choosing not to play. I believe that Todd Gurley has opted out to play. Who else? Uh, a number of players. I believe one of the defensive ends for the Chicago Bears has opted out. And again, this, the list is going to continue to grow. 
it's not safe. I mean, a basketball is a contact sport, yes, but we're talking about football players completely being on top of each other, sweating, bleeding, um, spitting, everything. Not intentionally spitting, of course, but it's the point. Every way to contract COVID will definitely affect the NFL. And I don't know about the cost of a test, but to test that many people that many times a week on that many teams is going to cost the NFL millions upon millions upon millions. And then you have some stadiums that are choosing to have fans and you have some stadiums that are choosing to restrict fans. And then we have some stadiums that are are only having certain capacity limits because they're so desperate to make money. So I don't I don't I don't exactly know. What's going to happen there? Again, if I had to bet my bottom dollar on it, I would probably bet against the season happening. I know J.J. Watt has spoken up on a couple of things and him saying if the NFL tries to make us wear masks, that's not going to happen. Uh, they already wear constricting helmets and a lot of tight gear, and you know it's a very exhausting sport. And if you're going to limit the, the spread and have them wear an additional mask, that's going to make it a lot more difficult for them to play at full capacity. It just... In my mind, it doesn't make sense as much as I hate it. Uh, I really, really, really wish it was possible, but the way that the country's going right now, I don't think football is a necessity, nor do I think the football is going to happen because of everything that's going on in the world. Uh, And speaking of football, Jamal Adams has been traded. Jamal Adams finally got released. I saw it coming. I saw it coming last season when he was starting to have some issues with Adam Gase. And to those of you that say Jamal Adams is just being a bitch, I, I talked about it with Fred. It's one thing for one player to say one thing about a, a coach, and maybe they had a disagreement, and maybe they're being a prima donna. But when you have multiple players on multiple teams to complain about this one coach, I think that that actually says something about him. Uh, the players I'm referring to are obviously uh, Jarvis Landry, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. You also have, I believe, Ryan Tannehill. No, was it Tannehill? I believe Tannehill. And, uh, you know, now at this point, we have Jamal Adams that are basically saying Adam Gase is running the team into the ground. His coaching methods unorthodox. I mean, I'm not a Jets fan. Uh, shout out to DJ if he's listening. Uh, big Jet fan. Shout out to my friend Nick Bartolotta, another big Jet fan, and so on and so forth. My friend Greg Magaluso. I'm sorry for you guys. Uh, Sam Darnold was, I believe, going to have a great comeback season. I believe after the mono and the whole see and go situation last season, I think that he was going to elevate himself to be worthy of the draft spot that he went. I think that Le'Veon Bell would have, with you know, year two under his belt, I think he would have been a little bit better as well. But I think you guys got to ax him. He's just been a cancer wherever he's gone. He's been a little bit of a pain in the ass. Adam Gase is just, he's not a good fit. The Jets ended on a high note at the end of the season last year. I know, I really do. But for, for, for specific players to have issues, I know Le'Veon had some words last season and with how he was being played or, or lack thereof being played or situational plays where he just disagreed with his play calling. And now Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams are, are, are going at it on Twitter. And I, Jamal's over here saying, see you week 14. Dude. I get it. You're a safety and he's a running back. So you're going to see each other pretty much every single play. You're both on the field at the same time. But come on, son. Jamal, you're I think you're reaching a little bit. If Again, that's my personal opinion. You told Le'Veon, yo, come here. We're going to ball out. We're going we gonna to ride with this. We, we, we're going we gonna to make something special happen in New York. And then you go and ask to get traded. I, like I just said, I, I, I believe it's all Adam Gase's fault. But Le'Veon had the right to be like, listen, I came to New York. You recruited me. And you just up and left when you had an issue. Like, come on. Again, I agree to a certain extent of why Jamal wanted out, but the way he went about it, completely immature. He got where he he got he got what he wanted. Uh, apparently, rumors and reports have been coming out that uh, as the trade deadline was approaching, he was requ- he was requesting a trade, as everybody knows, and at the same time, he was talking to other Cowboys players to try to get him over, which apparently you know ruined the relationships in the locker room and and tainted whatever bonds he had with his teammates and it, it, it was pretty much expected at this point I again did not expect him to go to Seattle I thought Dallas was definitely going to go and since they didn't get Earl Thomas a couple of years ago I thought that they were really 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 going to go and hunt Jamal down him being so young I mean to me he's a game changer Jamal Adams is is somebody on the field that immediately improves your defense and for that I mean let's 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 look at some stats I got pro profootballreference.com here Jamal Adams since he's entered the league in 2017 
has a total of six forced fumbles. He has four fumble recoveries. He's got a touchdown, 12 sacks. He's got a total of 210 solo tackles, 273 combined tackles, and then he's got 28 tackle for losses and 23 QB hits. He's a safety, ladies and gentlemen. And I know everyone's like, oh, he's only got one interception. That's what a strong safety is for. He's not a free safety who roams the field and does what he needs to do to go and ball hawk. Jamal's a hitter. Jamal goes out there and knocks your fucking teeth out. He's also got 25 pass deflections in three years. So let that be noted. And he missed two games last year. And he still had six and a half sacks. Now, mind you, people would say you have to compensate for the Jets' lack of QB pressure. Jamal had to blitz a lot more. Or Jamal had to go and make a play. And he made those plays. He went out and did what he had to do. Again, Sam Darnold got mono. He missed a big portion of the season. And they had to go and deal with second, third, and even fourth string quarterbacks. So the offense was lacking. Sam Darnold came back in, had a rough couple of games to start, and then led the Jets to finish off the season strong. And that starts with the star of a defense. And Jamal Adams, what is this kid? 24, 25 years old out of LSU? And you're going to tell me a player like this, a once-in-a-generational strong safety, wants to leave an up-and-coming team, in my opinion, with the New England Patriots not looking to do what they did the last couple of decades, the Buffalo Bills having Josh Allen and and the Miami Dolphins in a complete rebuild. I I really think the Jets could have fought if they wanted to. But with the leaving of Jamal Adams, I don't know. McLeod is, uh, not McLeod. Oh, my God, the safety that literally was traded for him. Hold on a second. I cannot remember his name. Oh, my God, the guy from Seattle that they just traded for. He has incredible numbers as well. And, and, and oh, my God, I'm going to have to look at a mid-cast. How embarrassing. Excuse me, guys. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe this. I had it on the page and I hit the X button by accident. Wow, I'm so upset. Well, it was for two first round picks. The guy's worth it. There it goes. Bradley McDougal or McDougald? Yeah, McDougald. He's a he's a pretty solid player too. I saw his numbers populate on uh on Twitter and those aren't as bad as I thought. Again, he's no Jamal Adams, but he was traded for two first-round picks and a third-round pick, and then the uh, the Je- the Seahawks got, or no, the Jets got McLeod or oh my God, McDougal and a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick. Excuse me. That was just that was huge. That was big news. Uh, shout out to my girlfriend. But I was literally sitting at her house on Saturday, uh, watching baseball, and she read something off of Instagram saying um, Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal Adams was it was like a meme or something like that and it said something along the lines of it was the clip of Jamal Adams in Hard Knocks when he was entering the facility of Jamal Adams being traded to the the Seahawks or Jamal Adams this morning after being traded to the Seahawks and it was him saying you know oh I guess I got traded you know really it's only year two that that funny that funny meme that that video that always happens something stupid happens on the internet or in the world and I was like what did he really get traded and then it was like breaking news all over my phone and on Twitter and I was like yo I can't believe the Seahawks pulled it off. So I would say that the Seahawks defense is is, is a little bit scary, especially if they find a way to re-sign Jadavion Clowney. I don't know. But then again, we hear speculation that Jadavion might go to the Patriots with uh, Dante Hightower and a couple of other Patriots opting out to not play for COVID. So we don't know. But that trade, wild. That definitely made the weekend, aside from baseball, that was some NFL news that I really, really, really was excited for to see the pot stirring and, you know, multiple players' opinions of this or that or and multiple friends of mine's opinions of Jamal Adams, the way he handled it. Fine. Not appropriate, but he got it done, and now he's a Seahawk. Let it be noted that the Jets play the Seahawks in Week 14. So interesting to see how that ends up. Interesting to see, and I'm curious to see, actually, how that plays out and see if... Uh, Sam Darnold sees some actual ghosts from Jamal Adams in practice of all those years of them being teammates. And then I also believe that we have a topic to discuss with the NFL top 50 players coming out. I'm going to say this right now, and a lot of you are going to hopefully agree with me. I think that list is pure bullshit. 
I think that that list is a load of garbage. I don't care how it's made. I don't care who makes it or what makes it. It's it's the point that I think it's a crock of shit. The fact that we have certain players ranked in certain places, like I don't even need to look into it further. All I know is Levante David is the number 100. We talked about his stats at the end of episode six in his career, and you're going to tell me he's only the 100th best player in the NFL. That immediately gave me the green light to say that this list is bullshit. Darius Slay, one of the best corners in football, number 92. What? Come on, man. The numbers speak for themselves. The players are better than these rankings. I don't care if it's player by player or team by team voting for them. They sh- this list should not exist because it's so stupid. You really don't have Carson Wentz so far in this rankings, in, in this top 100 as of right this second. And I believe they're up to 41 or something like that. So that can only leave me to hope that he's higher. But as of right now, I don't see his name on the list. I see that Dak Prescott is like 44. I see Darius Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts is 50. And he was 26 last year. Let, 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 let's talk about that real quick. Darius Leonard came out of South Carolina State, right? A no-named second-round draft pick from a place that nobody, including myself, had any idea of where he came from. This is his numbers. Last season, his rookie season, by the way, he played 15 out of 16 games. He had two interceptions. He had eight pass deflections as a linebacker, four forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, seven sacks, with 111 solo tackles, a combined total tackle of 163. 12 tackles for a loss, and 8 QB hits. That was his rookie season for him to get ranked 26, right? Okay, cool. So, this season, or should I say this last season, 2019, Darius Leonard played 13 games. He missed 3 games due to a concussion. And he had a pick 6. He had 7 pass deflections, 2 forced fumbles. He had 5 sacks, 71 solo tackles, 121 combined tackles, and then he had seven tackles for loss and six QB hits. He missed three games. In his career, he's already up to two, uh, 182 total solo tackles. In his career, he's got 15 pass deflections. That's 10 less than Jamal Adams, who plays defensive back. Well, strong safety, but considered a DB. He's a linebacker. Matt Eberflus is a genius, disguising coverages, putting him, covering the slot, having him drop back into coverage, disguising him to fake the coverage and drop into a blitz. I mean, you name it. Again, this is not biased. These are numbers. These are actual facts. And they have him ranked 50. He only had a decline in his numbers because he missed games due to injury. And he still found ways to put similar numbers up on the board. Seven sacks one year, five sacks the next. You can compensate and say that he has half a sack in three games, and, and boom, you have almost the exact amount. Or, or a sack in each game, and he's got eight. Tackle for loss, he's down by five. Last, last year as opposed to 2018. QB hits from eight to six. He had a pick six last year. I was there for that game. Again, shout out to Bay for taking me to my first Colts game. Where we had that goddamn game and we suddenly forgot how to play football. I'm not going to get into that. It's going to give me anxiety, <sighs> PTSD. I got a lot of shit. But I went back to the office that day or that Monday and I had to deal with the fact of Jameis Winston had like four interceptions in the third quarter and then led them to beat us. Darius had two picks that game and that pick six. Incredible. I thought we were going to start the game off real hot the way the game started with Jacoby Brissett launching it to Marcus Johnson in the end zone like a 58-yard touchdown and we lost. Anyway, back on track. (laughs) That list is just complete bullshit. I hate it. I think it's stupid. I don't think that the NFL players deserve it. It's almost as bad as these Madden ratings. I'm not even going to begin to discuss how stupid some of those things are. Again, Darius Leonard is an 85, one of the best middle linebackers in football. He's an 85. He went up one point from the year before when he was an 84. You have Deshaun Watson, one of the hottest and most entertaining players in football, probably one of my favorite players, and he's in my division, like I talked about in one of my previous episodes to watch, they have him as an 84. The man finds ways to win with probably the worst offensive line in football, and he's an 84. You you can't make this up. You really can't. 
Keenan Allen and I believe what? Uh, who was I talking about with Fred earlier? Oh, he was talking to the Bucks. He was talking about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And he spelled Chris Godwin's uh, at name on Twitter wrong or whatever. And he's saying, yo, I'm not going to keep quiet anymore. I'm tired of this. Like, I'm better than people or I'm one of the better receivers in football. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin had better numbers. And that'll be the fact of the day or the stat fact of the day at the end of the cast. I'll elaborate how he said that. Uh, shout out to Fred once again for the stat check of the episode. But these these players are frustrated. These players are disappointed. Robert Mathis, I was actually reading just a few minutes ago, uh, gave Darius Leonard advice. Uh, only because Mathis is an assistant coach or an advisor on the defensive end for a lot of these younger players. And he's definitely been training with uh, Kamiko, uh, D'Amico Autry and no, Danico Autry and Kamiko Turi. He's training them individually and getting them better at the pass rush. You see a lot of those, I see a lot of those videos of them training together and practicing. Uh, he actually gave Darius some of the best advice. And I thought it was pretty cool. And I thought I would share it with you guys, actually, because I had it marked. So give me just a second to pull that up. Once again, I apologize for the delay. But Darius was told, little bro, you're in a small, you're in a small market. So unless you're a star quarterback, it's back to the uh, HBC slogan, HBC uh, Historical Black College, because he went to South Carolina State. Do twice as much to get half as far. Shut up and grind, nephew. Nothing you aren't already used to. From the school, from the freak to the maniac, just inspirational, something to motivate him throughout the day. And you know, with that being said, uh, rookies reported to camp. You know, we had uh, Jacob Eason report to Colts camp. We had Michael Pittman Jr. report, Jonathan Taylor, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's good to see practice back. But again, getting back to the point of what I said earlier in terms of I don't think that the season is going to happen. It's nice to see people running. It's nice to see you know balls being thrown and you know receivers out there catching and, and defenses practicing schemes but I, I mean it, it is what it is these these ratings these these lists I, I, I honestly want to sit down in a room with the people that make it up and if that means that I'm going to be sitting there looking at NFL executives and NFL players and telling them that they're full of shit I would gladly do it <laughs> because if I were to be an NFL player and I'm busting my ass for these numbers and I know for a fact I'm better than these numbers, I'm going to be offended too. These video game ratings. I remember when Hassan Whiteside said my goal is to get myself to a 90 or something like that back when he was a no-name when the Heat uh, called him up from being, uh, what was it, in, in uh, the G League at the time or the D League. I forget what the first initial acronym was. but And then he came up and he had like a, a 10-game, 10-point, 10 10-rebound 10 uh, effort or something like that. He had like a crazy game where he was just blocking shots by catching balls in the air. And then he got signed to an official contract when the Mavs were going to sign him in what the 2017 offseason, 2016 offseason when he signed a five year, $96 million deal with the Heat. These players pay attention to these ratings. These players really, really, really take it personal when they're given a shitty rating. And a lot of people are like, yo, Kev, what does it matter? It's a video game rating. These guys are being paid millions of dollars, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. This is their job. This is what they do for a living. So for them to have these numbers or for them to be busting their ass and putting in all this time, effort, sweat, tears, blood, whatever you want to say, whatever the saying wants to be said, and for them to get a shitty Madden rating. Again, I think that the Sean Watson rating is probably the most offensive thing out there. I think that Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott having the same rating is an abomination in itself. And I know I've said this a hundred times, but with my girlfriend's family being from Philly and all being Eagles fans and watching a lot more of these games and paying a little bit more attention to the Dallas games because of the rivalry, you can see it. Dak Prescott is no Carson Wentz. Now, I know the numbers say otherwise, but let's look at it from a realistic perspective. Dak Prescott has always had some form of some form of a receiver, a running back, and arguably the league's best offensive line. Right? Carson Wentz has been hurt. Carson Wentz has had injuries happen to his team. Carson Wentz has had, I mean, what a lack of a consistent running back since he's been in the league. He's had like five. Legarrette Blunt, Miles Sanders last season. You had Boston Scott, Darren Sproles, Corey Clement. I mean that. The, the list really goes on. They again, Jay Ajayi. I, I'm not making excuses for the man. It's the sheer. Fa it's the point. 
Dak's numbers are justified because he's got talent around him. He's got a team around him. Now, a lot of people say that's the GM's fault or that's the owner's fault or that's the team's fault for not surrounding Carson. That's not true because on paper, the Eagles always start the season off with a very solid roster. Alshon Jeffrey, when he was traded to the Eagles out of Chicago, was a Pro Bowl receiver. Zach Ertz has been a Pro Bowl tight end since he's been in the league. Deshaun Jackson was signed last season. Uh, my girlfriend and my girlfriend's dad and I were talking, and we both agreed. Her whole family actually agreed with me in saying that that was a stupid signing and a big waste of money because Deshaun Jackson's never been healthy a whole season in his whole career. So to be desperate enough to go and sign somebody knowing he's not going to play the full season was a big lack of, I don't know, responsibility. <laughs> There's not really much of another word that I can think of because it just wasn't a smart decision. The Eagles had Nelson Aguilar who went down. They had, again, Alshon Jeffrey went down. They had Zach Ertz limited with ribs towards the end of the season. They had Dallas Goddard, a rookie tight end from a few years ago who was actually up and coming and huge. They had people from the practice squad on their team. Greg Ward, J.J., J.J., uh, I don't even know his name. It's so random. They had literal third, fourth practice squad string players, and this man Carson Wentz was out here putting up numbers. This man Carson Wentz found a way to lead his team not only to the Super Bowl. Yes, he missed the playoffs, but he led them to 14 wins before that, or 13 wins. Dak is a product of the system. Dak is a product of what he has. Now he's got Amari Cooper. He's got CeeDee Lamb now. He's got a top three running back since they've been drafted together in Ezekiel Elliott. He's got probably the best offensive line in football. You can argue that the Colts have the second or first best. It depends on, again, who you ask. A decently studded defense. But we're going to sit here and say that they're the same. The Cowboys won the division once in the last four years. The Eagles have won it three times. The Eagles have found ways to win in the playoffs. Dak Prescott has one win. You can argue again. Carson has one win. Or not even. I don't even know if he has. Does he have a win? No, because he, he lost to the... He lost to the Seahawks this season, but I believe he played last season... Uh, yeah, I think he played last season and he got a win. But it's the point. The team finds ways to win. And you can argue if Carson plays the rest of that game and doesn't get that concussion from Jadavion Clowney, did the Eagles win that game? Josh McCown almost led them to win that game. And he tore his hamstring in that game or his quad, whichever one of those. And he, a 40-year-old quarterback almost beat the Seattle Seahawks. If Carson stays in that game, I firmly believe excuse me, that they win that game. He's got a clutch gene in him. I watch a lot of those games. The man just is a winner. He he just does it. He does it with nothing. And if the Eagles can find a way to stay healthy, I promise you, they're going to shock a lot of people in the NFC. And by a lot of people, I mean Cowboys fans. Because once again, if the Cowboys don't win with their new coach in McCarthy and this, and this young, young, super young offense, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. You can't say it's the coach when it's the players. Dak's over here getting paid 31 point something million dollars on a franchise tag. And my little brother comes up to tell me that the Colts are the top prospect for him to land next season. That we're willing to pay him that much money. Excuse me. No, thank you. I pass. Pass. Fucking pass. I don't want him on my team. Yeah, Phillip Rivers is old. Yeah, it's a one-year deal. We got Jake. We got Jacob Eason in the back. We got Jacoby Brissett. I do not want Dak Prescott on my team for the sheer fact of he has better players on his team right now, and he can't win with the, almost the identical offensive line. Yes, I'm a Colts fan, but yes, I'm admitting Amari Cooper is better than T.Y. Hilton. Yes, I'm a Colts fan, but I'm admitting that offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys when healthy is just a tank. It's common sense Ezekiel Elliott is better than Marlon Mack and the entire backfield put together. But it's the point. I'm not willing to pay Dak anywhere near Pat Mahomes money. Nowhere near. And that's what people are discussing. If Pat's making 50 something million a season, rightfully so. Uh, I, again, 
to some people, no athlete deserves that much money. No human being deserves that much money to be made per year. But for the sense of sports, rightfully so, earning that 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 contract, Dak Prescott doesn't even deserve a spitballs close of a chance. Not even no. Sorry, buddy. I've said this on multiple casts. I'll continue to say it. Whoever pays you, hopefully not us. Congratulations, because you finessed and finagled an NFL franchise. Because you are not any of those players. It's just, he's not. And, you know, I just, I don't know what more proof people need. The man can't find a way to win when it's necessary. If Zeke isn't on the field, the numbers show he is not as efficient. They will make Dak beat them. If I have to play the Dallas Cowboys and I have a average to lower average defense and Ezekiel Elliott is not playing. It's an immediate confidence booster. Confidence, excuse me. Confidence booster. I, I'm saying I, I don't even need to put eight in the box. No disrespect to anybody on that roster. What is it? Pollard, that backup running back. No disrespect. And Alfred Morris, great backs, decent backs, average backs. But they're not Zeke. They're not game changers where I need to put eight in the box and load it up. Maybe even nine depending on the down. I'm going to legitimately double the receiver that I need to in Amari Cooper. And I'm going to highly anticipate C.D. Lamb for having a good season. I'm going to watch him. I'm not going to... I might play man up on him. Who knows? It all depends. It's the point. The Dallas Cowboys all know that if it's down to Zach and the time, or should I say Dak and the clock, the clock's going to win every time. He just he can't do it. His clutch gene to me isn't there. I believe he has like eight game-winning drives. But again, when you have Ezekiel Elliott on that team and that fear of him even catching a ball out of the backfield and making somebody miss or, 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 or hurdling somebody. We all know Zeke is famous for the hurdles, both in Ohio State and in Dallas. He's a game changer. It makes people have to play man up on Amari Cooper, and he gets open. Man up on what's going to be C.D. Lamb, and he's going to get open. Speed Demon, by the way. Watch out, NFL corners. <laughs> Watch out. Man is a beast. Jason Witten isn't there anymore, so the safety blanket over the middle, that's going to be another concern. Who knows what, what repertoire Zach is going to make with his new tight end. Or the tight end that he had last season. I, I don't I don't know their roster in and out as I should, but well, not should. I'm not a Dallas fan, but who knows? I don't, and I, I know you guys don't. But I really, really, really think that people need to evaluate or reevaluate uh, a, a lot of these topics. That list, that top 100. Hopefully, when it finishes, we'll <laughs> we'll see how bad it is towards the end. Um, uh, the Jamal Adams trade, we'll see how he fits over there. And then, of course, like I said, some of these Madden ratings, I only mentioned a few things, but just just disgraceful. EA Sports, do better. <laughs> Fucking do better. How often do you need to make the same game over and over and you can't get attributes right? Cool, you made Christian McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey's juke move in 99. Common sense, the man is the best back in football right now, as of right this second. Congratulations, you made Michael Thomas his his catch radius 99. No shit, he broke Marvin Harrison's all-time single-season catch record. These things are like a given. Aaron Donald, almost a 99 across the board. Probably one of the best players in the sport, hands down, guaranteed. Top three without question. But it's the players that you need to look into further detail. The players that make contributions to their teams and the NFL as a whole that you need to really think, sit back and say, shit, maybe we fucked up with this one. And I don't want to hear we're waiting for a roster update, or I don't want to hear that we did the best that we could, because every year it's something ridiculous. You focus on the stupid pixels of a blade of grass on the field, but you can't get the right attributes per player. Kyler Murray is not a in the 70s. He's nowhere near. The fact that he's a 77 or whatever he is when I saw it, stupid. One of the better mobile, younger quarterbacks in the NFL played for one of the worst teams and a rookie head coach, and he found ways to get things done with Larry Fitzgerald. Now he's got DeAndre Hopkins, Kenyon Drake. Watch out. The NFC West is stacked, and I say confidently the worst team in that league, or should I say in that division, is now the Rams. Jared Goff, like I said a few episodes ago, overpaid overpaid Todd Gurley gone yes he hasn't been healthy in a while but Todd Gurley the fear of Todd Gurley of having to put people in the box I don't understand how people really make the argument of 
Well, players with decent running backs, or should I say quarterbacks with decent running backs, are, 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 are better than players with, like, Pro Bowl running backs. No, that's not how it works. If you know anything about football, if you have a deadly running back or a well above average running back in the backfield, your team is magnified easily because defenses have to prepare. A play action with an Ezekiel Elliott for Dak Prescott saves his ass. If that linebacker or that safety bites for a millisecond, that receiver's wide open over the top. The middle is wide open over the field for Jason Witten back in the day. It's the point. So people need to sit, sit back, study their football, and if you're going to come at me with any arguments or any debates, I'm here. You know what the Instagram is. Drop a comment. You, if you know me personally, you got my number. Shoot me a text or give me a call. Because I guarantee you, we're going to be talking or arguing about this for a while. <laughs> because some of these things are just, to me, man, they, they, just, they just blow my mind. Some of them are disrespectful. And who the hell knows? Uh, with this stat fact, where is it from Fred? He sent it to me. I think I saved it on my pictures, actually. Hold on a second. So, I said earlier, Keenan Allen was beefing with Marquise Godwin and... Um, oh, my goodness. Mike Mike Evans, right? Oh, Chris Godwin. Excuse me, not Marquise. Chris Godwin last season, right? He had 1,300 yards, 1,333 yards. 15.4 receptions, and again, I believe this is a stat from Facebook, so some of these numbers could be a little off, but we can just look them up online if we really needed confirmation. 15.4 yards receiving, or per reception, he had 9 touchdowns, and an average of yards per game, 95.2. Mike Evans had 1,057 yards, 17.3 yards per reception, 8 touchdowns, and 89, yard, 89 yards per game. Keenan Allen, finally, had 1,199 yards, so a little bit better than Mike. He had 11.5 yards per reception. He had six touchdowns, and then he had 74.9 yards per game. Common sense, Ben. Stop talking. You're a great route runner. You're a great receiver. You, you, you not in the Mike Evans discussion, DeAndre Hopkins. Chris Godwin had a great year, and he's going to continue to have a great year or should I say great career, um, with Tom Brady out there, and he's going to show him the ropes, and that team's going to change. Keenan Allen, you lost Phillip Rivers. Good luck out there. <laughs> keep keep doing your thing with the beer, big dog, because you, uh, I don't even know how relevant you're going to be able to stay without a quarterback throwing you the ball. Yes, some of these numbers are deflated because the Chargers have one of the worst offensive lines in football. Yes, Keenan Allen did miss some time with an injury, Mike Evans misses time with injuries every year, and he still finds ways to put up baller numbers. It doesn't help that the man is like 6'5", jumping out the gym, running like a 4'5", 4'6", 40. Because, again, Mike Evans is a little bit older now, but still one of the best receivers in football, hands down. Chris Godwin, stud. Breakout year last year. Again, soon to, soon to follow this year with Tom. Probably going to be a little bit better. But the, that's the stat fact of the day. That is the... For the most part, episode seven. And I know I gave a lot of shout outs throughout the podcast. Um, I did forget a couple of things. Last episode, my boy Mike, shout out to you again for coming on to the show. Uh, the podcast, the cast, just to piss off Ricky. Uh, we didn't get to talk about a lot of things. I am looking into having him as a guest again in the near future. Probably kind of like a with the shop or, or shop talk with Mike part two. We got a lot of things to follow up on. My boy is a DJ, like I said. Follow him on Twitch. I believe his Twitch is something along the lines of Most Dope Mike 922. What do I have here? Yeah, I got Most Dope Mike 922 on Twitch every Thursday, if not every couple of Thursdays. He's out there doing his thing. He's out there showing the vibes. Mike is probably one of the most inclined, or should I say musically inclined people I know aside from dance. Great mixes, great vibes all the time. Um, Mike is also a, a dutiful big brother. Shout out to his little man out there doing what he's got to do. He's all grown up. He's probably bigger than me. Uh, very big advocate for mental health awareness. And, uh, yo, actually, believe it or not, Mike's girl actually quoted, I believe, I think it was on Twitter or something. Something happened where the talent show was brought up that I mentioned last episode. And then she was like, DK, Puerto Rican Chris Brown. She got that from my podcast. You got that from my podcast. 
Don't think I'm not paying attention. I am relevant. I'm out here. I'm making a name for myself. So, um, again, big, big appreciation to Reed, Dawson, and Fred. Those messages really made my night, man. Those messages get me excited. I love what I do. Uh, Got a big accomplishment coming up on Friday. By the time this comes out tomorrow morning, I will be officially two days away from making my first big adult, so to speak, purchase in my own car. Uh, to those of you that are going through a lot that don't think there's a light at the end of the tunnel, there is. I've overcome a lot. I've gone through a lot of things in my life. I've seen a lot of things in my life that made me want to give up. Experienced things that has made me want to shut up, computer. Experienced things that have made me second guess myself. Y'all can do it. You guys can push through it. Nothing stopping you but you. The only thing that's going to limit you again is you. Just. Stop giving up. Don't doubt yourself and keep pushing. If a guy like me can go and achieve something as successful and as big as this, to me, again, all of this is all personal opinion, then anybody can do anything they put their mind and their heart to. So I really do appreciate everybody again for the support. Let's keep listening. Follow me on Instagram, 104, spelled out six, spelled out and, and number one on Instagram. Again, that's 1046 and one, just like I spelled it out, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor and a list of other uh, instrument or tools that Anchor provided us. So I really want to say thank you again to everybody. And we'll be talking again soon next week. Peace. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.